This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by RocksPile.com. My name is Kevin Henry. I am one of the side experts on RocksPile.com, joined, as always, by my good friend and fellow side expert, Noah Yingling. Noah, what is going on today? Not much, and but I always love talking baseball. But the thing is, we, we can't play another edition of Where in the World is Kevin Henry today. No, no, I am here in beautiful northern Colorado uh, as we record this the hurricane force winds are on their way in. So I may end up in Ohio with you here pretty quickly. If I don't put rocks in my pockets, uh, Noah, uh, last saying. week here, we had, well, yeah, it was late last week. We had winds that you, it was the kind of winds where you thought cows are going to start flying by. See, and that's exactly how it is in twister and growing up in Oklahoma. That's exactly how tornadoes are just so you know. So, but Hey, let's get to talking some baseball. Well, obviously as we record this, the lockout is still in full effect. No signs of it slowing down anytime soon. But one of the things that we are always talking about at rocksfile.com is what could happen. Trades that are possibilities, you know, and Noah, you've been writing some great articles on trade targets from different teams. I know that you're going strong with that. I wrote one the other day about could Rymel Tapia be traded? And, you know, that's been one of the big buzzes this offseason has been what are the Rockies going to do with their outfield? You know, especially knowing that they need to bring in a big time power bat to really boost the numbers in the outfield that were obviously dreadful last year. Uh, and Noah, I threw out the idea that the Rockies and the Guardians could make a trade. And I know you being up there in Guardian country, you and I talked a little bit about that. And, you know, just wanted to get your take from that Ohio perspective. Are the Guardians going to be any kind of traders this year uh, with anybody, let alone the Rockies? Uh, first off, I, I have to say I'm still not used to Guardians. I probably, yeah. I w- probably will not be used to it for a while. I mean, I still call it Jacob's Field. So, I mean, it's been progressive. Field it's the Jake. It, it's the Jake. I'm just telling yeah. you it is. Yep. So, the, th- the thing with Cleveland is they long have had just an awful, awful offense. And, like, right now, outside of Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes, who the thing is with Reyes, he was injured for – a good chunk of 2021 he played 115 games or so and outside of them i mean they do not have an offense i mean you could you could send up the columbus clippers and they would probably give you a better offense i mean they're just awful awful yep. offense so tapia could fit in with them especially because outfield especially i mean they they have not had a good hitting outfield in the better part of half of a decade. I mean, even on the 2016 team, they did not have a great offensive outfield. And I mean, you look at their main offensive players at the time, Lindor infielder, Ramirez infielder, Jason Kipnis infielder, Carlos Santana infielder. So you look at their outfield at the time, it was Rajay Davis, who's no longer playing in baseball because he's actually in the commissioner's office. Lonnie Chisenhall, one of the biggest busts. Uh, 
and Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin happened to have a good year that year. He was a rookie. But after that, A, he's not with Cleveland anymore. And B, after that, for example, the next year, 2017, he was injured. 2018, he was injured. And he had an OPS plus well, well, well below league average. So they have not had a decent outfield in a long time. The problem is, though, with Tapia, as we all know, is they have to have somebody to figure out his swing because he can't just be pounding the ball into the ground. And he, if if you think he's a ground ball machine, he's literally the textbook definition of it because he was the number one person for ground ball rate. He was he had the highest ground ball rate in all of baseball by a wide margin by oh yeah ten percent or so big time in. 2021 for Cleveland though, they, they fired their, um, their hitting coach of a better part of a decade in Ty Van Berkeleo after the season, because it really, it was a long time coming, but um, they have replaced him with Chris Valeka. Um, Chris Valeka was the assistant hitting coach with the Cubs before. Um, so perhaps he could fix Tapia's swing. Um, but Cleveland right now, Jose Ramirez is their best player. And well, at least position player. He's got two years left on his contract. They should trade him. However, Cleveland never trades anybody more than a year out. And they should trade him right now to maximize their value for him. But again, Cleveland, they don't, um, they're known as a, a team that is very good to deal with. And they they have the nicest people in their front office, but they haven't won a World Series in over seventy years for a reason. Sure, no, I, I, absolutely. they haven't made the best moves. <laughs> well, you know, and and so you know maybe they're not going to be doing the trading. And you know, I know you wrote about Jose Ramirez for our sister site, Call to the Pen, you know, about how that he should be traded. And and you know, another one that I was looking at a little bit, thinking about Tapia again was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, again, this is a team that's a possibility, but every time I look at a team that Tapia may be a fit for, I go back to what you said just a minute ago, because you're looking at a player that's probably going to earn around $4 million in arbitration. You're looking at a player who has not, he's had stretches that have been great, but he those stretches include him actually getting the ball in the air you know, uh, uh, for a long period of time. Uh, you know, certainly there have been times he's beat it into the ground, he's beat it out for a base hit. But when Tapia is successful, he's hitting those line drives, he's hitting those gappers, he's turning a single into a hustle double. That's when Tapia is the best. And could he do that at PNC Park? Could he do that at what we still affectionately call the Jake? Absolutely, it's a possibility. But like you said, I think he's going to have to change his swing. And I'm not sure that that's going to be something that Tapia does very easily. I still think that he has a lot of confidence in his speed and a lot of confidence that if I hit it in the ground, I can get it on first base. Yeah, and the, the thing is for him, it's it's like uh, a Cleveland Indians reference, uh, Major League with Willie Mays Hayes, yep. where uh, they tell him if you hit the ball in the air, you, you have to do, I believe it was 20 push-ups or something like that but that was 30 years ago. And now you're in the mindset and at least in my opinion, it's the correct mindset 
Where are the position players? They are on the ground. They are not in the air. If you hit the ball 20 feet in the air and you hit it for some distance, but it, the height of the ball is 20 feet, a player is not 20 feet tall, so the right. player is not going to catch it. If the ball is on the ground, there's a heck of a lot better chance of them fielding it. It's Really, it's not rocket science. But no. the thing is, with the way that the baseball world has changed, with, with Tapia, for example, 20, 30 years ago, he would have been viewed as a great player because like, for example, now granted it was shortened season. He had 321 this year. He had 273 2019. He had 275. Okay. So what's the problem? The problem is he, especially in 2019 and 2021, he doesn't get on base enough and he just hits the ball on the ground. That's the problem Yeah. where 20 years ago it was, Oh, okay. That's definitely our leadoff guy. Where I, I now think it's it's not it, he on a playoff team he is not a leadoff guy and really you could argue on a playoff team he's not in their starting lineup. I agree, and and that's the thing. I think if Tapia goes somewhere, I think he's more of a fourth outfielder. You know, one of the things that I wrote in that article was that he's a left-handed bat, and right now the guys who are, are taking over likely in left field for the the Guardians both hit right. So is that a platoon situation that we talked about could have been perfect had Ian Desmond actually been around during the pandemic, you know, one of those great what if questions right there. Yeah. But, but let's flip and let's talk about another potential outfielder. Uh, Our friends at Soto Mojo love that site name uh, that covers the Seattle Mariners talked about how that they were kind of lusting after Garrett Hampson uh, to be a part of the Mariners. And, and it begs the question that, that whenever I think of the potential outfield pieces that are currently there, granted, no trades, no free agent signings, what we've got right now with the Rockies. Hampson's really the only one that you could say he could play another position other than outfield, you know, on a, on a legitimate basis. You know, you could plug anybody in anywhere, but Hampson's one of those true versatile guys. And honestly, I don't see him being a guy that the Rockies would feel comfortable dealing. I think that there are a lot of other names on that list that Nick Groke of the Athletic put out uh, that were above Garrett Hampson for sure. Yeah, and the thing is with Hampson, first off, he's he's 27, so he's still fairly young. But the Rockies like the versatility and they like to speak. The problem is that his bat has not developed. At whatsoever. I mean, he's he's been remarkably consistent in being bad at the plate. I mean, it it's just that's that's the way it is. It might sound harsh, but I mean, you look at the OPS plus 2019, 67, 2020, 70, 2020, 71. I mean, he's gone up a little bit each of the three years, but when you're down that low, you can't just have three points higher, one point higher. I mean, that's one thing if you're 125 and you go up to 128, but 67 to 70 is not an improvement. You know, and and I want to ask, because I I read so many articles about, well, it's a change of scenery. If he gets a change of scenery, it's going to change things. I'm I've never been that guy. I think if you're going to have a change of scenery, it also has to come with a change in attitude at the plate or some other kind of change as well. I don't think you could just say, Oh, suddenly I'm in the American league and I'm a different player. 
So I think if you're looking at a Hampson or a Tapia or a, you know anybody else that the Rockies might consider trading off this offseason, it's got to be somewhere that they're actually going to not only fit in, but they're also going to be willing to listen to what they might need to be doing differently in that new place. The, the only way I really buy into a change of scenery is a change of coach that you're working with or if you're leaving a big market like New York, Boston, Chicago, and leaving for a Kansas city or something like that, where the New York media is going to jump down your throat as they did. Like, for example, with Clint Frazier, but then he hops over to the Cubs, which I mean, that's less than the Yankees, but I mean, you really can't be more uh, of a media attention getter than you are with the Yankees. Unless you're with the Mets, because I mean, otherwise it's about the same. Um, So, I mean, if he would have gone to Pittsburgh, he's going to get a lot. He's going to have a lot less pressure under him than he would with the Cubs. True. Uh, Yeah, I can see that completely. And I think that one of the things that we've got to think about, you know, and I go back to the Mike Talkman example. You know, Tottenham was a guy who ne- who never really fit in with the Rockies, and then he caught fire for a little bit with the Yankees. And there was some talk about, oh, Tottenham learned something with the Yankees that he didn't really discover with the Rockies. And, you know, oh, was there some teaching going on that the Rockies should have done? Well, the next thing we know, Tottenham's been sent to the Giants. And the next thing we know, Tottenham's now playing in Korea. You yeah. know, so I, I don't buy into the fact that, you know, you can catch – lightning in a bottle somewhere else just because it's somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think there's plenty of examples. Now, on the flip side, a, D, a DJ LeMahieu, guy can hit anywhere. Yeah. Dare I say his name, a Nolan Arenado, the guy can hit field anywhere. You just swore on this podcast, I know. Kevin we're going to we're gonna have to put this as mature audiences only for me saying yeah, I, that. I, I, we may just have to put an explicit content warning on this. It's possible. But I also <laughs> think that we're going to find a Trevor story wherever he ends up that you're going to find that same exact thing. The Trevor story can still field. He can still hit the ball and he's still got speed. Yeah. You know, it, it is a, it is a matter of you either got it or you don't. And the thing like with Talkman, for example, I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle for half of a season. Yeah. If you're catching lightning in a bottle, you usually can't keep it contained within the bottle and for, for an entire career. It's not, that just doesn't happen that often. If at all, you do have to develop some and granted Talkman had some injuries, but there's a reason why he's in Korea right now. Since 2020, you want to guess what he's hit? I, I know it's not good. Let's just put it that way. But he's no, hit 203 me. with a 66 OPS plus. That's Garrett Hampson. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. A, a taller, more muscular Garrett Hampson. That's a good yeah. point. Now, in 2019, he had an OPS plus of 128. But, like, I remember specifically, I asked Bud Black about, hey, did you foresee anything that like that happening with Talkman? He's like, no. That's uh, what we saw of him is what we kind of expected. And sure enough, since 2020, that's what he was with the Rockies is essentially what he was. And it was a subpar MLB hitter who just happened for half of a season to play well. 
Well, I mentioned Trevor's story, and we're going to touch more upon some news that's come out about Trevor, where he might be going, and no Rockies fans, it's not back to Denver. So just be prepared for that. But we'll talk about that more here after the break on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And we are back, Kevin Henry alongside Noah Yingling on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And as we alluded to before the break, uh, there was an interesting uh, little note passed along by John Heyman, uh, MLB insider, talking about that the Seattle Mariners had actually extended an offer to Trevor Story before the lockout. Now, one, you know, one thing we don't know about this is when that actually happened. Did it happen before the, the Mariners traded for Adam Frazier from the Padres? Or did it happen afterwards? Because we know that there's a hole at third base right now with Kyle Seager not coming back to Seattle. So, Noah, my question is, it sounds like Trevor Story, if he were to go to Seattle, isn't going to be a shortstop anymore. And is that a bad thing? I don't think he'll be a shortstop if he goes to Seattle. Because their shortstop, J.P. Crawford, I mean, he he hasn't said that he wouldn't move positions, but the Mariners don't want to move him. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, he is very good. Offensively, he is average at best. Um, this year, this was his fifth season in the majors. Um, it was this was the first time he's played in more than a hundred games, though, in a season at the major league level. And it was also the first time he ever had an OPS plus of league average or better. So they're they're really trying to develop his bat, and they don't want to have him have to have him learn a new position and try to keep developing the bat where Trevor story, they don't have to worry about the bat. Granted, he hasn't played second base in five, five, six years or more, but they know that he can play it and they know his bat is good. And also too, they can DH him. Yeah. If they want to, where in the NL, you don't know if that's going to happen or not. Well, you know, and, and it was interesting. A lot of things that I've read about story, and again, it's all speculation. There's nothing firm out there, but there's some speculation about his arm. And is it something that it would be a problem with him at shortstop? And every time I read that, I think, well, if the if the Mariners are actually thinking about him playing third base, that's even more of a situation. Uh, or even, you know, and I know the Manny Machado, or sorry, Fernando Tatis Jr. movie to the outfield last year whenever he had uh, the shoulder issues because they thought it would it would loosen or help him. You know, I, I think about his story destined to be an outfielder under this certain Mariners condition, or if he lands somewhere else, you know, outside of a Houston or a New York where they need a shortstop. I really wonder, is Trevor going to move somewhere else just because of his athleticism and those questions that are lingering? And that's the thing, especially in baseball now. And this, I'll go a little bit on a, on a tangent here and expect to go on. But outfielders, how many outfielders now compared to the 80s and 90s and even in the 70s, do you see just uncorking 300, 350 foot cannons to the plate compared to right. 70s, 80s, and 90s. You don't. Yeah, you don't see a Ken Griffey out there anymore. You're exactly right. Yeah, you don't see Dave Parker in the 79 All Star game throwing an absolute seed to Brian Downing, who was catching. There you go. And 
throw it on the fly. You don't have him. You don't have Jesse Barfield. You don't have guys like that who have that kind of arm. You're just going to be really the most recent example is Yoannis Cespedes. And he's not even in the league anymore. So the thing is, you really don't have to have that huge outfield arm anymore where you, as long as you can get it to the cutoff, man, you're fine. You know, and that was one of the things that really stood out about Charlie Blackman last year is that he made some of those throws that we weren't expecting. And they were really good on target, hard throws back into the infield. But you're right that the reason that they stood out so much, I think so many of us is that a Charlie hadn't done that for a couple of years and B that's not normal in today's outfield. You know, Rockies fans will remember quite well, uh, Yasiel Puig, uh, with the throw (laughs) at Coors field that still is on the highlight reels. Uh, but again, there's a reason why they're on the highlight reels is because they don't happen that often anymore. You're exactly right. And another one of the, by the way, if we do a Forgotten Rockies series, this guy should be on it because he was a Rocky for, I believe, three days. Jose Guillen. There you go. And I, it was when he was with the Pirates. I believe it was 98. I could be wrong. It was 97, 98, 99 range. And he was playing right field for the Pirates. They were playing the Rockies at Coors. And he just absolutely, it was like a Roberto Clemente kind of throw to third base and he gets Nafi Perez out by 10 feet <laughs> and yeah. for the camera angle of the ball goes above the camera, goes out of sight and then comes down and just absolute strike for Can you remember the third baseman? I do. Okay. Bring it. Who? Keith Osick. Oh, I would not have gotten Keith Osick. <laughs> That's well played right there. Wow. That is well played. Oh my gosh. No, you know, and, and, I think that going back to story, I think he could be capable of those throws. And again, we don't know how, how healthy the, the shoulder, the arm, the elbow, all that is, you know, but I think that there's enough whispers out there that people are going, you know, is he a guy that would be better suited for the outfield because of that? Yeah. So. And that's the thing where there are some teams, like, for example, we had an article on it in, uh, July of there was at least one team that was interested in story and playing the outfield. We don't yep. know who that team was. Um, and we speculated on a few teams that it could have been one of which I remember specifically was the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. And it's because Jackie Bradley jr. Was hitting so poorly for them. And his defense was uh, his defense has always been fairly good, but it was it in the last few years as anybody getting a little bit older, um, it's slipped a little bit and, but he's been traded to Boston. Right. And Lorenzo Kane is also back for them now at the time he was injured. So, yeah, I, I think it would be a surprise if, if another team outside of the ones that have been mentioned, you know, and I think really right now, when you're looking at story, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Noah, but I'm really thinking you're down to Yankees, you're down to Astros, you're down to Mariners. I think those are your three most logical fits, but I know you had a couple of others that you wrote about in a recent article for our site too. Don't be surprised if he goes to Cardinals. Yeah, that's good. Don't be surprised if he goes there. Nolan there. They need a shortstop because Paul DeYoung is not, he's not a great hitter. Um, So I would not be surprised if he, if he goes there. 
Um, I mean, there's a few other places he could probably go. If if I had to guess one of them, it's going to be the Astros, but it's baseball. So things can change. Um, But yeah, the teams that we had discussed on there were the Astros, the Mariners, the Phillies, which I am not completely sold on that, but there have been some rumors with him there, the Cardinals and then the Yankees Yeah, Uh, of the five teams. I would have to say the Phillies would be the least likely. I I think you're right. And, and, you know, I was talking to our buddy Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies podcast the other day. And we were, and one of the things that I mentioned, I'm still such a big believer in it is that after Correa signs, I think that's when the other dominoes fall, including potentially opening up that position for sure. You know, because I think there are folks in Houston that think they've still got a shot at landing Correa back. Yeah. But, you know, once Correa leaves, I think that opens up that hole for story and it fits in so well. It's a team that obviously is built to win geography wise. It's near, you know, it's in the same home state as uh, story is from. There's just a lot of reasons that makes sense. Now, what do you think about the two other teams that have been kind of rumored to be uh, in the Trevor Story sweepstakes? And that is the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Angels. You know, I've I've read those, but I've also read that they're willing to look at him on a more short-term contract. And so I, I think that the interesting thing is going to be for both him and Correa, because I've read that Correa is going to have a lot more opportunities if he takes a shorter contract with a higher average annual value. And I'm wondering, are these guys going to do that right now when their, their career could be at its, at its peak? You know, or are they going to cash in for a longer term and really be set and go, I don't want to go through this again? Yeah. I think I think the only way that story takes a shorter contract is if the market craters somehow, and if we are rushing to beat the deadline to get to spring training with the lockout and everything else. And the thing too with the Angels, and this uh, this is an evergreen sentence for the Angels: they have to get starting pitching. Yeah, absolutely. their starting pitching stinks, and you got Shohei Otani, and outside of that, it's. Ugh. Yeah, well, guard, but he's always injured. Yeah, yeah, you rolled the bones big time. Patrick Sandoval, like who? What? Uh, Michael Lorenzen is your four, and Jose Suarez is your five. Please give me a break. Uh, I mean, the three uh, and Jaime Barilla is your uh, six starter because the Angels have a six-man starting rotation. Um, that bottom four, I I take the Salt Lake Bees rotation probably better than the angels one and salt lake bees are the triple a team of <laughs> i was gonna say i didn't expect a bees reference in today's podcast also, but there I, we I are, didn't so. expect a keith osick reference I, I didn't so see we've gone but you two know what two kevin there. that's the rocks pile rockies report for you that you know that's what harry ralston black would say if he were here i have a <laughs> feeling so you know one thing that uh and, and it's a really good point is so the angels spent 25 million for a one-year deal for thor for Syndergaard to come there. And obviously, again, that's a huge chance that they're taking, that he's going to be healthy. He's going to stay healthy. But if they're throwing around that kind of money, taking a chance, would they throw out a higher average annual value, shorter term contract, a story? And then I think, again, the second question is, would he accept that? Because to me, the angels 
I mean, despite Trout, despite Otani, I don't see them being a team to really watch the AL West with Houston still doing what they're doing, with Seattle improving greatly, and Texas. Let's be honest, they made a huge splash this offseason. Yeah, that the Angels, like I said, it's an evergreen sentence. They need starting pitching. I mean, they stink starting pitching wise. And the thing is, you look at their lineup outside of. Otani and Trout and Rendon, and you're like, who? Who is that? Yeah. I, I never heard of him. Why is Max Stassi hitting fifth in my lineup? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and I think if I'm a Houston fan, front office person, whatever, I'm looking around and seeing what else has happened in the AL West so far this offseason. And I'm figuring I'm going to have to make some kind of a splash, some kind of a counter. You know, again, unless the unthinkable happens and Correa comes back to Houston, you know you've got to do something. Yes, you've got Verlander. I get that completely. Which but what else? Finalized too. Yes, it was absolutely, and a lot of people up in arms about that because it's the Astros. But it's but and it's something. What I tell them: relax. Yeah, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. It's okay if you know if you wanted your team to buy Justin Verlander for twenty five million, well, you should have done it. There, it's yeah. that simple. So. But but I think the offense is going to need some kind of a, a boost, shall we say, if Correa leaves. And I think, again, story is a perfect compliment to come in there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, looking at a lineup and looking, uh, having to adjust your glasses and who, what, who is that? I never heard of him before. Have you heard of Jeremy Pena? I haven't. <laughs> no. Long lost really with Tony Pena, maybe, you know? Yeah, he is the top of their depth chart. And you want to guess how many uh, major league games he has played? I'll go two. No, take the under zero. Oh, oh, see, I thought it was going to be a trick question. He has played 30 games at AAA. Now, granted, he he did hit well there, but you plan on getting back to the World Series and you have Jeremy Pena as your starting shortstop. Chaz McCormick is your starting center fielder. That's a problem. I, I think it is. And, and I think that, uh, you know, you brought best, you brought back Dusty Baker for a reason. You brought back Dusty so that you could make another run and getting him a World Series ring. And I don't think that you're not going to spend any more this offseason. So. Exactly. Uh, all right, Noah. Hey, any final thoughts here as we continue through this darkness that is the MLB lockout? I'll have a lot more trade targets coming up. And we're still in the AL East. Hop over to the AL Central, then AL West, then NL East, NL Central, then we'll finish up in the NL West. But we'll have a lot of those coming up and still a lot more content on the site. And even though there is a lockout, we're still going to have content on the site because there's always stuff happening. Always. It's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. But until you join us on rockspile.com, we hope that you'll join us on the next episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report because we're going to keep doing podcasts as well this offseason, at least giving you our take on the rumors that are out there. And trust me, whenever we get back to baseball, there's going to be a lot to talk about with this Rockies team. So for my good friend, Noah Yingling, this is Kevin Henry signing off. And even during a lockout, my friends, we still say, hey, go Rockies. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.